Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Some of you might be just coming out of stores after <laughs> your Black Friday shopping that started on Thanksgiving Day, which is weird that we call Black Friday something that now is aggressively encroaching on Thanksgiving. I may have just tipped my hand about how I might feel about <laughs> some of that. Um, but it is interesting. We have spent the week talking about Thanksgiving um, yesterday. Hopefully you were able to tune in and hear the incredible, inspired reading of Squanto. I almost said that with a straight face. Um, by Jonathan and myself. Um, if you, you miss that, if you miss it, you want to go back to the podcast. You know, in fact, you just get. If you don't have the book, you can just gather the kids around and, and listen to it. It's great. Um, I think it's going to be a new staple of my house. Yeah, well, it should be. You're um, not really selling it too well, good. No, no, it's, it is incredible. Yeah, the we book lo- is. We love it. We do. That's we do. why we've done it yes. like three years in a row. Yes. But it is interesting that our culture combines this this day. Black Friday, with a day of that's supposed to be Thanksgiving about our gratitude for all of the things that we have received, that God has been so good and gracious to us and has provided everything that we need for life and godliness. And, and then, then they, we flip it right into materialism and, and uh, you know, this, you know, because I've, I've really about up, greed. Yeah, I, mean. I, I, I know those days where you sat around, you know, after Thanksgiving, you're in, uh, you're in another room, and your sisters might be circling the ads of where they're going to go on, on uh, Thanksgiving morning, and what, and what order they're going to hit the stores. Now, I am going to make a, a, a good a conf- Friday morning a confession. I have engaged in Black Friday activities but primarily because I've been with my extended family and it was an opportunity to spend time with my nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters. And I was basically along because it's just such an incredible insight into human nature that I found myself just engaging to human watch, to people watch. I can't can't go with you there, but uh, you know, I, I have been asked do you want to go shopping? I said, what made you think that I wanted to go shopping? <laughs> yeah. I, I would say it is it, fascinating it, to what, behold. What? It is. It is. I went once to confess and to get a big screen TV. Okay. Well, but, then I, get, but, know, then, I, but then I noticed that even though I arrived early, I was way too late. So I just, right. I just went back home. <laughs> so if I've procrastinated doing Christmas shopping till after Thanksgiving anyway, I will still procrastinate and do that much later. So this show is dedicated, tongue-in-cheek, to our producer, Andrew. <laughs> we are recording this early, but we're worried that he's not going to get the big screen TV that he wanted. 
And so the title of this show is How Do We Give Thanks When It Hurts? Yeah. <laughs> and when it's sold out. Yeah. So that's actually a little facetious. We actually do want to talk about the, the topic real in, hurt. An, in a real way. Um, because there are people that are dealing with real struggles and real hurts and real concerns, not big screen TVs, Andrew. Um, but you had a you had a verse for this from Habakkuk. What yep. was that? So Habakkuk three seventeen through nineteen says, "Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet." I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. He makes me tread on high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. Now, we don't necessarily live in a time exactly like Habakkuk was writing to. What is the what would those things mean? The fig tree, fruit on the vines, produce of the olives. What would all of that mean for the people of Habakkuk's day? And what would be the equivalent of today? Well, it'd be like a, a big famine. Like, I mean, food sources and stuff that would be in the, in some of these things were pictures of God's, you know, blessings. You know, think of the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Would it so, be something similar like what if we had high inflation and out of control property right, taxes? Yep. And, um, and the rising cost of gas. And flatlining income. Right. Mm-hmm. And expenses exceeding our income. Right. I mean, not that anybody could relate to any of those things, <laughs> but would that be something similar? Yeah, economic hardships in life that he is, that they'd be going through. Yeah, he's 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 going he's grappling with the doubts regarding God's justice and his direction on the world and there's a, a puzzlement about, you know, you know, why do why do bad things happen to good people? Why, you know, why, why is this happening? And so, but he comes full circle um, where he's he's going to uh, give praise to God, and he does that in that in the verse that you read from Habakkuk three seventeen and nineteen. Some of some of us will have to use a table of contents to find Habakkuk in the Old Testament, <laughs> but it is there. Mm-hmm. It mirrors, um, you know, Job. You mm-hmm. know, when we consider, you know, Job was a man who had. Literally about everything stripped away from him, um, children, possessions, everything. And in in nineteen of Job chapter nineteen, beginning in verse twenty three, oh that my words were written, oh that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. For I know that my redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold it on another, how my heart yearns within me. And so it's, it's, again, that picture of, and it's a question that I think Job is asking and that Habakkuk is asking is, is God enough? If all we have in this life is God, everything else is stripped away, is, is that enough? Is he enough for us? And Habakkuk's answer is yes. Yeah. So the question I have is, is that just irresponsible or unrealistic Pollyannism? No, I, I think it's, Paul puts a fine point on it in Romans 5 when he talks about the future hope is Im- immeasurable to our imagination compared to the, these present sufferings. <coughs> so when we think about the all-sufficiency, glory, beauty of God and his good nature, a failed harvest fails to comparison that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to diminish suffering, 
but it, it, it in in an eternal comparison, the fact that we get God makes suffering our suffering diminish. Right. And you mentioned Vinny in a previous episode the fact that how you know, Paul says, if our hope is in this life only, we are of all people to be the most pitied. And you know what I love about what Job says there is this is probably one of the earlier books of the Bible ever written. Right. And we have there a clear declaration and a hope in the resurrection. Yeah. He mm-hmm. says, even though my flesh may be destroyed, I will in my flesh see him yeah. and he will stand upon the earth. Okay. And that's a great hope. If, if biblical hope is the confident expectation of good based mm-hmm. on God's good promises, then I can ha- I can live with that confident expectation despite present circumstances. Right. If my if my confident expectation is in the harvest coming through, in the securing of the big screen TV on Friday, and that fails, then I'm left destitute and depressed. Mm-hmm. But if my confident expectation of good is rooted in God's good character and promises, or if my political party doesn't get into office, oh goodness, mm-hmm. that one hit me. Mm-hmm. Did you just bring that up on air? I'm sorry. Politics. Well, yeah, sorry. what are we doing? What are we going to do with you? <laughs> um, in Ian Duguid's book that I mentioned the other day about the armor of God, he talks about this idea that we as Christians do not spend enough time talking about our future hope. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is a. He says that we do that to our detriment. Do you want to unpack that for the listener? I'm assuming that you guys agree with Ian Duguid on this. So, if you don't, jump in early. C.S. Lewis makes a, a comment uh, about the fact that we don't think about that enough, and it says, uh, you know, if we aim at Earth, uh, we don't we don't get heaven, but if we aim at heaven, we get Earth thrown in. And uh, I've messed up the quote. It's generally in that nature. You know, <laughs> you know, the, what I, well, what I'm saying is, we can make all of these great men from the past say whatever we want. Them that's to right. Say. No, like, I'm are tough on radio. The, 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 you know, I haven't, I haven't prepared my extemporaneous thoughts. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the problem here. But, it, but he's, but he is pointing to the fact that you know, we we have enjoyments in on Earth. When we've made you know heaven our goal, mm-hmm. and uh, and the problem is is when we make earthly things our goal, we we'll miss out on we'll, we'll miss out on the heavenly attainment. We'll we'll miss out because we haven't we haven't made God um, the priority. Uh, he is to be preeminent in our thoughts. And so I think that this is you know it's it's not being Pollyannish when when we can say. You know that God is working out His temporal affairs. He's working out these temporal things to accomplish His great purpose, and His great purpose is that men and women around the world are going to uh, hear the gospel. When the when when that message is proclaimed throughout the whole world, we're told then the end will come. There is a certain there is going to be an end to this age and the beginning of the next, uh, the the uh, the the eternal uh, age. To come and so, um, you know, the, all these things are being worked out. Um, God is not on, you know, you know, with God, a thousand years are as a day, a day is as a thousand years. He's not on our time sca- schedule, but he's never late. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about his the sufferings of this present life not being compared to the eternal glory that awaits. Mm-hmm. And for those that may be listening that are unfamiliar with the sufferings that Paul experienced, uh, here's what he experienced. He says. Uh, this is in Second Corinthians 11. In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. 
From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Uh, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. That's what Paul considers to be a light and momentary affliction compared to the eternal glories that await. And it's a good reminder that this life, and it may be hard, and it's not Pollyannism, if I said that right, uh, just looking over it, it's acknowledged. These things are difficult and hard, but the eternal glory is will be in God's presence forever. I feel bad uh, whenever I mention somebody and I don't and I don't give the correct quotation. Let me do that. That's, <laughs> this is the advantage of uh, having a computer that builds in forgiveness. Uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. And I think that really comes back to our thankfulness too. Our thankfulness is because God has prepared a place for us. That he, that, you know, in the end, th- this present world is not everything. Everything is beyond us uh, still. And so that's why we look, we can look beyond the present sufferings. We can live beyond the tragedies of this world and look to heaven where our great reward is. And you've been listening to the Gospel for Life.